This is Got Marketing, a podcast with ideas, strategies, and tactics to help small businesses create smarter marketing. I'm Mia Feilman, a professional marketer and the founder of Campaign Del Mar. And in this show, I chat with creatives and strategists about the different aspects of marketing, but without the fluff. Let's dive in. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Got Marketing podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling a little over social media lately, and I've heard many small businesses say the same things. Not only are social media platforms becoming increasingly unfriendly to small businesses, they've also become, well, boring. So joining me today on the show is one of the marketers that I respect the absolute most, and that is Erin Morris from Young Folks Digital. And we're going to get into this. When did social media get so boring? Um, Erin is the founder and director of Young Folks, a marketing agency on a mission to make a positive difference. Following a successful career working as a marketing and digital technology leader for Australia's leading independent publisher, Hardy Grant, global luxury travel specialist, Mr. and Mrs. Smith Hotels, and global creative communications company, WPP Group, Erin has seen firsthand the incredible power that marketers and brands yield. Now with her team at Young Folks, Erin accelerates the growth of game-changing brands and helps them achieve their greatest positive impact. Welcome, Erin. Oh my gosh, I sound so amazing when you say it like that. No, babe, you are amazing. (laughs) Blushing. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. And I know that you feel the same way. Tell us, when did social media get so boring? Well, first of all, I was going to say, I feel totally the same way that you are also a marketer that I really respect. But yes, um, one of my favorite words to describe the vibe on social media for the content at the moment is vapid. I just think (laughs) vapid is the perfect like chef's Chef's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just kind of bland and not really stimulating or challenging. It's kind of like it's tuneful it's there it's something that we can we can scroll and engage with but is it actually kind of inspiring us or giving us new information or educating us or adding value to our lives and i think a lot of a lot of the content that we're seeing does not tick those boxes I completely agree. So let's get specific. I've got examples but i would also love to hear yours. So I feel like you and I have talked a lot about the pointing and dancing kind of on reels. And I know when we talk to our clients and we're like, so reels is definitely a place where you can tap into a wider um, audience kind of in terms of reach and awareness. If you've got a brand awareness goal, reels can certainly help with that. And you can just see them all. And like, these are modern brands as well. These are not people that are afraid of technology kind of like jump back in their seat a little bit and do the like, do I have to dance? Like, if you're going to ask me to dance, I'm not doing it. So there's definitely kind of like the dancing and pointing on reels. And then just the fact that so much of what makes reels and TikTok successful is jumping on a trend and repurposing that trend. But I kind of feel like not a lot of repurposing is happening. It's more just regurgitating the trend verbatim. 
And that just creates like a bit of a kind of vortex of not particularly exciting or engaging content. And if you spend two hours on social media, you actually end up seeing the same thing about 25 times. I completely agree. Um, I definitely feel like one of the worst things that happened on social media was the trending audio where the social media managers are telling brands to use the same audio on their reels. And then as a result, in my feed right now, I could quite easily have 10 brands um, in the space of two minutes all using the exact same audio track. And I can't speak for everyone, but the thing that I do, my user behavior is just to completely scroll past that track. I'm not interested in seeing somebody else's impersonation of the exact same track. I want the creative original content. 100%. And that's what we all want, isn't it? Like we social media scrolling used to be something that I always like to think that like your feed, your social media feed should feed you. So it should give you something that inspires you and nourishes you as a creative communications professional or whatever kind of professional that you are. If you're running a business, it should give you ideas and inspiration to tap into to really evolve your own content strategy. It shouldn't just become this vortex that you feel bad about spending time there. Like we don't feel bad about spending time on Google because we go and Google things and like get great new information that we can use, but we do feel bad about time on social media. And that's probably because a lot of the time it is a waste of time. Correct. And I have this uh, talent where um, <laughs> I can uh, look at social media content as a professional marketer and say, wow, that leads nowhere. That is not going to drive interest, engagement, saves, you know, um, traffic to the website. That is not um, going to build empathy or um, affinity. That is just content for the sake of content. And that is unfortunately how I feel about a lot of specifically Reels content is that um, they have prioritized entertainment above any sort of marketing objective. And um, when you think about how long brands are spending to create those reels, um, prioritizing entertainment over those objectives, I feel is not a winning business strategy. Not at all. And I think a lot of brands make the mistake of looking to creators um, and influencers and seeing what they're doing, because they're the ones that are going viral and are reaching really wide audiences. But it's really important to remember that going viral is how those people get paid like they mm -hmm. are paid to have a big following that they're, they're like a micro publisher they're like a micro entertainment channel and they can only monetize their audience if they have a significant audience to for brands to tap into but for brands it's not necessarily about behaving like a creator or an influencer it's about i'm going to make myself sound mature here it's about like good old fashioned marketing like getting back to being strategic more than playing tactical games to kind of win the algorithm because you can win the algorithm and have a reels go viral and it have absolutely no impact on your bottom line. 
Absolutely. And I think we need to accept that with reels, a certain amount of talent is required for those transitions and for the, you know, raging extroverts who are happy to dance and who are happy to perform and who do have those great video editing skills. And so it is probably not within the remit of every business owner to be able to create viral reels. And for me, as a professional marketer, I've made reels. And I have not reached more than 6,000 people. And I can achieve a much bigger reach with good old-fashioned posts. And I actually um, have had very recently, just in the last two weeks, posts go absolutely gangbusters, with one post in particular being saved 86 times. And, um, And that is just, I think going back to the point that good content will perform anywhere, in the feed, in stories, in emails, on a blog, good content is good content. It's not the channel, it's the quality of the content. 100%. I think this goes back to something that we've talked about a little bit in the past as well. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. (laughs) And that is when brands get like really very one-dimensional. They focus their strategy as a channel strategy but they don't tap that in or link that back to a broader marketing strategy or a broader campaign strategy. And then you have content that might perform really well in a particular channel. But what's that doing in terms of the bigger picture to move the needle towards those bigger goals that you have for your business? Like, is it getting you more traffic to your website or more inquiries for your service or more sales for your product? Or is it just getting you more success in that platform? And certainly social media plays an absolutely important so important role in you know success from a marketing perspective but I think there's so much danger in looking at things through in a very one-dimensional kind of singular way it's so important to kind of zoom out and think about the role that social media plays in the context of all of your marketing and when you are creating that great content that could perform anywhere that usually is because you have a marketing strategy or a content strategy or a campaign plan in place and it's all connected Absolutely. That's, you're speaking my language, of course, being an <laughs> integrated multi-channel marketer. However, I do feel that there has been a wake-up call and definitely recently I've seen a lot more people um, under, c- come to understand that that's what they need. So um, I run an email marketing workshop and it has sold out twice because people are like, okay, The most recent Facebook and Instagram outage for the whole day was a bit of a shake. And then every day I see another brand that says that they've been hacked and their Instagram account has been taken over and they are full panic stations because they over rely on social media. And quite frankly, I'm afraid for small businesses who have all of their eggs in the Instagram and social media bucket because a recent Instagram engagement report from HubSpot showed that the average engagement rate of a post is 1.42%. That is so freaking depressing. That's like, is Instagram the new display ads? (laughs) Yes. Like I remember back in the day, like the average click-through rate on display ad, if you got over 0.06%, it's like if you if if the click-through rate was like drink driving, you were fine. <laughs> you were like <laughs> over 0.05, you're doing well. It's like far out. It's just just such a 
like it's just such a platform where you can be in real danger of if your eggs are all in that Instagram basket. It, well, like we said, it's so powerful. You can do so much with it. But if you're reliant on it in a singular way, you could really be caught out, particularly when, like imagine if you had a campaign launch on the morning that Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and Messenger were all out for that whole day. That that could be a whole day's revenue lost if that was the channel that you were relying on. Correct. Like if you're doing a seven-day cart open launch and that was one day out of seven, that is not good odds at all. Um, But also can we talk about how time-intensive social media marketing is? So I've Mm. seen this over the last couple of years where my Instagram following has grown, but not to a lot. You know, I still only have something like 2,500 followers on Instagram, but with that even small growth, the time I need to spend on Instagram has multiplied because now I get more comments I need to respond to and I get more DMs that I need to respond to. And it is a lot of work for a channel that actually doesn't drive a lot of profitability for me. Um, So I say this to everyone that will listen, social media (laughs) is where I go to make friends but email marketing is where I go to make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it it allows me to, it, it is so much more sustainable um, to create email marketing content and to engage with my audience using email marketing than with social media, which is just so time intensive because it's one-to-one um, mm. in that, in those comments and in those DMs. Oh, 100%. And if you kind of look back on, you know, I think I reflect on like when I started the Young Folks Instagram account, it was like growing at like hundreds of followers a week of just posts alone because there wasn't stories available then and there wasn't IGTV or Reels or any of the other cool functionality like guides, et cetera, that you have on Instagram now. And it's great that the platform's really expanded the different ways that it can we can connect with our, our ideal customer. But, oh, my gosh, the time that it takes to create the content for a week's worth of marketing for young folks, if we include stories and we include reels and we include our feed content for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, it's like a, it's like three full days of content creation and scheduling. And that's wow. for somebody that's like in marketing and can do it pretty quickly. And I'm also not sending it off to anybody to like get signed off on. I kind of sign off on my own content. (laughs) But if you're doing this for like, you know, a client, it takes longer because they've got to review it. If you're doing this and you've got a manager, that's going to take longer because they're going to give feedback. So there's certainly a big time investment in creating that. And I would say like just social media alone, it would be like a day a week to create a week's worth of content, which is like great that you can kind of get it all done and scheduled. But then I kind of reflected on that and I thought probably takes me three hours to write an, a really good long form, like 2,500 word SEO article that could rank number one within a week and could bring in 100 people a month to our website forever. Wow. Like that, that effort has like a compounding benefit for a long time. And I think it's similar, like with your email marketing, you can like, get that content out there and connect one-to-one and get maybe an email takes like an hour or two to put together like a really good one and then the results that you get from that commercially are going to be far more significant than going viral. 
Correct. So for me, it takes around two hours to write my weekly roundup, but I then repurpose that as social media content. So, you know, I can pull at least three posts out of one EDM, Mm -hmm. um, but that EDM makes me money as well. So um, it's, it's just a different way to approach. Whereas I think if small business owners are being honest, the way that they approach their marketing is what do I post today? Um, and, and it is all from the lens of exactly, as you said, tactics first, execution first, strategy, maybe never. <laughs> yes. Okay. So here's one of the other things that I'm finding very boring about social mm-hmm. media lately, and that is the lack of awareness around the content that has already been published by mm. a million people and therefore perhaps best to let that go. And I'm talking specifically about all of these recent um, Instagram announcements around whether the hashtags go in the caption or whether they go in the first comment. Um, Instagram uh, talking about how um, now um, you can, um, you know, do a collaboration with somebody else on Reels. And the most recent one was that now all accounts are going to get link stickers, whether you have 10,000 or not. Great. However, I opened up my feed this morning and (laughs) saw at least 10 different social media managers share the exact same thing using almost the exact same language And it's boring. It is so boring. You know, just like we need to read the news in the morning and go, okay, um, The Age and ABC and, um, you know, news.com have covered this story. It is done. So unless you have an interesting angle or a counter argument or an interesting take on this, you need to agree that this content has been covered. It is done. Um, But there seems to be a lack of before you post because of the scheduling, you know, they created this post, it's batched, it's ready to go. But we need to be looking at our content before we post it and say, hang on a second, this has been well covered. And this doesn't just apply to Instagram engagements. There are still so many small brands who are using the same Brené Brown quote, the same unsplash stock image. Oh, seriously. The same social squares or pexels stock library image, and then saying, I'm posting every day on Instagram, but I'm not getting anywhere. And this really does break my marketing heart. And I try my best to remind them that creativity is the future of business advantage. A hundred percent it is. And like it always has been, hasn't it? Like anytime there's newness or a unique perspective, that's what we're interested in as consumers of content and consumers of things that we buy we're wanting something that's going to add value to our lives and we always talk about pain points and gain points and how does um publishing a a Brene Brown quote actually hit a pain point or a gain point for a, a potential customer if you're not adding your unique perspective to it like I don't mind if you break the news or I don't mind if you share a Brene Brown quote that's been shared 11,000 times but if you're adding 
how that quote inspired you individually and how, you know, something that's relevant to your brand and your values and your purpose in business. Great. Add your unique perspective to that. Educate me. Help me get to know you better uh, through that content. But if you're going to kind of just regurgitate it as like, it's that whole repurpose is different to regurgitate kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Like if you're just putting out what somebody else has already put out there and not adding to that, then you're not actually adding value, just kind of adding to the noise. That's right. And I think that there's a real lack of going back into our analytics and really analyzing which content is performing for our brands and saying, Mm. actually, that Brene Brown quote, even though it did speak to me personally, and it's definitely something that, you know, guides me in my journey, it wasn't actually all that well received by my audience. So go back and actually have a look at And not just the likes, specifically the saves. Have a look at the um, profile taps and the website visits Mm. to see which posts are actually driving real metrics and then base your future content on on those real insights. Mm. I think that sort of speaks to this kind of challenge of like being really tactical with social media marketing as well. Um, when we focus on tactics only but not strategy, we can sometimes be really drawn to those metrics and like you can get anything to become engaging content um, and get those saves and get those likes, et cetera. But does it actually stack back up to your overarching marketing strategy or your overarching business goals? And I think we see that a lot in almost like a, the you know how a lot of people kind of use social media marketing as like a microblogging kind of function And then we almost end up seeing this sort of tactical authenticity where it's like if we if we place, you know, a really sad story on this day and then we do a promo post tomorrow, we'll be able to kind of like jump off the engagement with our sad story to our promo post. And I I can see that it's really effective. And for some people, perhaps it's really commercially effective as well, because that's really relevant to their brand values and their overarching marketing strategy. But should every small business be feeling that pressure to like go and like kind of dear diary on social media? Like, no, I don't think they should. No, I agree. I think that there's a lot of oversharing. Um, and I think that there's a real confusion around what is brand storytelling mm-hmm. and, and what is a good story versus what is just using social media as a soapbox to um, to talk about your marriage and your children and your um, battles with, um, you know, mental health disorders, which um, don't necessarily relate back to your brand and what you're asking people to purchase. And one of my absolute pet hates is virtue signaling, where it's all about, you know, jumping on to something that's political or environmental or societal, but it is doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's, it's not genuinely helpful. It is just, look at me. I'm, you know, jumping on the bandwagon on this topic. I'm a good person, um, but there's, there's nothing behind that. And I know for you as, you know, someone that takes this really seriously and has built that into the entire purpose of young folks, that that would probably rub you the wrong way too. (laughs) I think the flip side of that as well is like, it's like, it's the equivalent of jumping onto like, it's National Donut Day and putting up a donut, you know, post 
when that's got absolutely nothing to do with your core brand values or your offering and you don't have a unique perspective to kind of share on it. It's anything that we're jumping on tactically that doesn't really connect to our brand values, our brand strategy, our marketing strategy is actually just kind of pointless. And that is what I feel makes social media quite boring. Yeah. And certainly like the greenwashing thing kind of comes into that too. Like there's so much virtual signaling happening at the moment where brands are jumping on and saying, hey, we need to be better for climate change. And it's like, well, did you do anything for climate change? Or are you just telling your audience to do something for climate change? So Correct. I think there's that too. Like back it up. If you're going to jump on something and put that virtue signal out there, I, I surely hope that it it can be confirmed that you are doing those things. Absolutely. I think audiences today come with immaculately tuned bullshit detectors and are no mm. longer willing to take a brand at their word. Proof points are everything. And mm. I still feel that people think that authenticity is something that you can fake, which I know sounds ridiculous. It's literally a contradiction in terms, but Mm. you cannot fake authenticity. And we've seen brands like Gillette um, spectacularly fail when they try to do that. You know, Mm. if it is not embedded into your vision and your mission and just the way that you operate, then it is never going to feel authentic. It's never going to feel real it's just going to come off as culture jacking and Mm. that you've shoehorned yourself into a conversation that you don't really belong in but Mm. I love your analogy of the national donut day it's like (laughs) I'll just jump on this bandwagon too it's such a filler post type thing isn't it where it's like I'm jumping onto virtue signaling or jumping onto culture jacking or I'm jumping onto national day of something like to me if your social media strategy centers around national days of that's not a social media strategy that is just making boring content. Correct. And I, but I think that, and I do feel a lot of sympathy for small businesses who have been given very terrible advice and Mm. sometimes from some really credible brands around the fact that you need to post every day and that you need to post to stories and that you need to be creating IGTVs and going live. And all of this is just not sustainable for solopreneurs, even Mm -hmm. for small business owners. You and I struggle to do it and we are professional (laughs) marketers with teams. And so the only thing that is naturally going to happen when you have advice like that is that the quality is going to slip. Um, and it's, yeah, it's all around quantity and it's all around, look, I've already spent two hours on this today, so I'm just going to quickly get it done. What's happening? World Earth Day sounds great. Let's schedule. Mm. And um, unfortunately, I think that there is a lot of bad advice specifically mm. on Instagram at the moment. I really hope that this conversation that we have is incredibly freeing for a lot of people because and I always say this to people when we hand over a marketing strategy to a client if they're implementing it themselves or we're implementing part of it and their team members are implementing other parts of it we always say to them this strategy is the blue sky it's everything if it was a burger it would be the lot like we put every possible opportunity for you to capitalize in into this strategy because that's what you would expect for us from us if we're if you're paying for a strategy from us but you don't have to do all of it at once and it would almost be impossible to do all of it without a team of 10 people working on it around the clock so let's prioritize what are the things that really matter and what's going to move the needle most on the important goals now 
And that might mean that Instagram has to take a little bit of a backseat. Or it might mean if all of the audience is on Instagram and we've identified that as a key channel, it's like, okay, well, let's put our focus on Instagram, but make sure that we're doing something to capture data that we can tap into if that platform goes down. So making sure that we're using Instagram as a conduit to get people onto our newsletter list or to get people into our CRM or get people onto something where we can kind of get to them again if we need to via a different channel. Exactly. And that is the whole premise of a strategy. A strategy is an informed opinion about how to win. And so by definition, a strategy can't be templated. So somebody else's strategy, which might be all Instagram all the time, might be perfect for them, their service offering or their product offering and their audience. And so they're all in on Instagram and that's great, but that is not you necessarily. And so um, it's really important to understand what's going to move the needle the most for you. However, globally, I will say that um, small business owners underutilize owned channels and earned channels and over-rely on paid and borrowed channels. Um, And that is, I mean, I see that every day, all day, that there's no email list there's not high-performing landing pages and high-performing sales pages. The website is the destination. And it is so sad for me to see that you've dragged them all the way over to the website and then you get there and it's just a little bit shite. Um, It's (laughs) such a sad, such a sad thing. Um, And then all the opportunities for earned media, whether that's PR or user-generated content um, or shout-outs or collaborations, all of that that you don't need to pay for. But here we are. What do I post on Instagram today seems to be the number one challenge. Oh, it really, it really is. And there's so many opportunities. Like I'm sure you see all the time thinking about marketing strategy. Sometimes it's like, do we have post-purchase automations in place on email or do we have you know nurture sequences in place on email because so much of digital marketing is actually really focused at the bottom of the funnel by nature like Mm -hmm. a lot of above the line marketing is really you know you're targeting people en masse from a brand awareness perspective with the hope that they come to your website or come to your store or pick up your product in the supermarket or whatever the kind of objective is and so much of digital you're kind of connecting with people that are already somewhat aware of your brand, whether they've just Googled you or they've come across you on social media. They might be the ones that are that are newer to the mix. But for the most part, a lot of digital is kind of at the lower end of that kind of journey to purchase. And yet so much of like that is overlooked and we treat so much of social media as really like upper funnel activity where we're going like new, 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 new stuff all the time. But actually a lot of those people might have been following you for a long time. And they maybe just need a little bit more clarity around how they can take up your offer. Absolutely. I say this all the time to my students. I do this at the beginning of every intake. I go through their social media feeds and I'm like, ladies, you've hidden the cookie. I've gone through your latest five posts, each of you, and at no point have any of you put down an offer. I think we're so afraid to be promotional. We are so afraid to sell on Mm. social media because we've been told by the gurus that, you know, not to sell, but they are the best at selling. Like they can sell ice to flick and Eskimos, you know. (laughs) And um, as a result, 
If you still have customers come to you today, go, Mia, you're great. Love what you do. So much personality. You've got real spunk. But what do you sell? That is a bad day. That is a really, really bad day. We had this conversation at Young Folks where um, I've kind of like been working on our content for a long time and I'm so close to it that it's it's clear to me. And I sat down with our content marketing strategist, Larissa, and we picked our own marketing apart and did exactly that. We realized, I was like, wow, if you came to our Instagram account, you would think this account's got some great tips and insights in it, but I have no idea what they sell. And so it was that real kind of like, okay, we've like at some point along the line in our content creation, we've gotten off track and I'm sharing this because it can happen to anyone. It can happen to someone that's been in marketing for like 15 years where you're just in that like process of creating content. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, <laughs> totally it, forgot to mention that we sell anything. <laughs> so true. And this is where you get drawn into acting like a creator, or acting like an influencer where it's all about being followed and being followed because you've got cool or engaging or inspiring content. And building an audience around that, which is what we're told, like even Instagram and later and Planoly and all the platforms tell us like create engaging content, create inspiring content. And so we do. And then we forget that we have to actually make money and that it's actually okay to make it clear on your, on any marketing channel that you have, how someone can engage with you commercially. Correct. And I think that the question for small business owners is, do you want to be popular or do you want to get paid? Literally. Yeah. Like if you're going down the path of like, I want to create interesting and inspiring content and be popular, then like you better start thinking about getting some affiliate deals with some brands because that's how you're going to get paid. Correct. So true. And I did, I did a little experiment recently where for my email marketing workshop for an entire week, all I did was post about the email marketing workshop and every post and and when I say post I also mean stories and reels so Mm -hmm. all my content for an entire week was pretty promotional Mm -hmm. um and I sold a shit ton (laughs) an absolute shit ton and it was only a week and um no one unfollowed me in fact well they might have but overall I grew my followers and um that was one of the best sales weeks Um, that I've had because I was very deliberate and very clear about what I wanted people to do, what action I wanted them to take Mm. from that week, which was sign up to the email marketing workshop. That doesn't mean that just because you have promotional content that you can't also make it valuable. So there Mm -hmm. was still great tips weaved into that content, but it was promotional. Um, Mm. It was well-branded. And that is another thing that I'm seeing a lot on Instagram is that most posts, most content is using um, a template that is not branded. And we are overlooking the power of distinctive brand assets. And, oh, 100%. You know, that's marketing 101. Let's go. And like you said, and I'm definitely showing my age, let's go back <laughs> to those great <laughs> foundations of yeah. how marketing works and it works with memory structures. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm totally thinking when you were saying, you know, those post templates that don't look like a brand and you've seen them all before. And I'm like, yeah, you've seen it before in Canva (laughs) and everybody picks it and is like, oh, this is unique and looks trendy. I will use this and be different and inspiring to my audience. And actually kind of everybody's having that thought. Like I get that thought. I'm like, oh, I love archways because everybody's doing archways. And like they're like you've got them in Campaign Del Mar, but you've made them your own. Like it's the window. It's part mm-hmm. of the whole kind of brand structure. 
it's not just doing you know an archway shape over a photo and that's it like it's there's a real brand strategy around it like we've got a peace sign in our logo they're everywhere as well but we've made it our own with our branding designer who put like a beautiful like dot point treat print print treatment over it that's meant to kind of reference old newspaper prints like there's a story behind both of our brands and how they came to light I really love that for you with young folks anytime you do a meme or a gif um, it's always the young folks branding is the background so even though you're sharing somebody else's content it all comes back to young folks there is that you know consistency of imagery um, throughout your all of your content and then it becomes recognizable it's like oh I've seen that zigzag before I've Mm. seen that like peace sign before or that dot print before and it's the same like you see the colors with campaign Delmar and you know like exactly who this is yes okay so um reels um that has had a meteoric rise in the last couple of um well I think almost a year now is that right Mm. um So what are the implications for small business owners with Reels? Well, I took a long time to get on Reels um, because I wanted to get on Reels in a really intentional way. And I just did a classic like overthinking marketer on it and just had to really ponder how I wanted to do that and jump on that kind of particular, I'm considering it part of the platform. So it's an, an advantage that we can tap into if we want to. Um and I feel like for businesses, the the challenge is really that there is so much of that vapid, repetitive, trend-based content on there. Um, but the opportunity is that you can, if you can use Reels in a way that is connected to your strategy, connected to your values and makes your brand recognisable, you can reach a wider audience through that. So that is being both strategic and tactical. So the reels part is definitely the tactical play um, but doing it in a way that feels right for you. And for us, something that we're testing out at the moment and it's not about going viral, it's about communicating our values and we're focusing on the things that are really important to us as a brand, like communicating our perspective on like climate change or communicating our perspective on whether responsible brands should be distancing themselves from the Melbourne Cup like and that kind of thing. So we can kind of explore those ideas and perspectives that we have through Reels in that way and sort of what we're seeing for for clients is that that's that's the way to go it doesn't necessarily have to be about going viral it's a way to be strategic and tactical at the same time yeah for me I'm definitely just treating it right now as an experimentation Mm. um that I'm just playing with it it Mm. is not it is really the bottom of the to-do list right now for me. Um, everything else that is um, really commercially focused has to happen first. And then mm. if I get to a Friday afternoon and I've got an idea, then I can give it a crack, but I'm not putting mm. too much hope and um, you know energy into it right now because I have yet to figure out whether the new followers that come from Reels, because it is good for getting new Mm. followers, whether they are the right people. And that sort of Mm. remains to be seen. It's too early days because I've only just recently started with Reels to see if these people are there for the right reasons and Mm. are actually entering the funnel or um, whether they just came for good times. But um, I really love what you said about using it as a way to showcase your values. For me, I've been using it as a way to showcase my personality. Um, yeah. 
Um, so it's all about like getting to know Mia a little bit more and um, building that affinity, but then using my, you know, um, posts and my other um, content marketing to drive home the, you know, um, the sales and the conversions and the oh, lead generation. I think that's a really interesting point of difference too. Like if you are selling a service that's a one-to-one offering or an offering where it's taken up from you specifically as you are, people want to know you. But if as a brand with a team um, or a brand that's selling a product, it's not necessarily that the customer, like the ideal customer wants to know the individual. They might want to know more about the brand and the values. And that's where I think like that personality versus values kind of shift can come into play and neither of them are right or wrong in fact they're both right Mm. um it's more about picking what feels right for the brand so for any of your um listeners that are really thinking oh I'm a brand and I don't want to kind of get in front of the camera I don't want to put my face on stories and I don't want to be dancing on reels the good news is you don't have to no Absolutely not. Um, And actually, because everyone else is doing that, this is a real opportunity to do something, you know, quite different. One of the reels that I did that performed okay was I actually just went back through my phone and just found all these existing videos that I had and I sliced them together on Canva with Mm -hmm. some music. And, um, you know, I just called it something like, you know, six ways I boost my creativity and it was me walking and me doing some yoga and me doing Lego with my son. And yeah, it was um, existing footage that I didn't even spend hours and hours filming and editing. And I so I good. don't I don't know how to do the transitions, so I just don't <laughs> do those. <laughs> so much coordination required. And this is the thing, right? Like you can learn it, but like do you want to spend 10 hours mastering that if it's not going to end up being a really commercial avenue for you maybe not and that's okay like make a good commercial decision I feel like marketing is about making good commercial decisions strategy is about choices it's as it's about as much as what you don't do as what you do do I mean 10 Mm. hours we could create three killer email sequences a welcome sequence a sales sequence and a post-purchase sequence all that are going to drive some serious revenue Yeah. And like, that's the kind of prioritization that I think we always talk about as well. Like get those important commercial actions done first and then work your way up. And then you might find yourself dancing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I know that um, you are really up with, um, you know, what's happening in the digital marketing, you know, space. Mm. So do you know what happened with the Facebook and WhatsApp outage do you think that there is a reality when we might see these platforms disappear? Um, yeah. Can you share anything about that? Yeah, totally. I think there's a lot kind of happening. Like we have to kind of remember Facebook, what became publicly available in like 2006 or something it's a while ago. And that's a long time in Silicon Valley. Like we've only really seen the big rise of Silicon Valley tech in like the last 15 years with a big kind of shift in the last sort of seven years. And what you see if you kind of observe Silicon Valley trends is that most apps and products kind of have an exponential rise where they're getting a lot of venture capital and a lot of traction. They peak, they become kind of, they plateau as they become kind of ingrained And there's not much kind of customer acquisition or new user acquisition happening for them. And then they start to add in new features and whatnot to try and stay relevant. And 
there's this sort of concept of like apps that are sunsetting, like they're essentially becoming the end of their time and they either evolve or they die. And a new, like that that bunch of developers and, and innovators and creators will come up with something new that we're going to love. Um, and so I, I sort of question like how much longer can Facebook and Instagram stay relevant? And what we're really seeing this year is like Pinterest is making some serious moves. They're kind of framing themselves as like the nicest place on the internet. They're doing really cool things like banning weight loss ads and focusing on inclusivity the trolling and like nastiness just doesn't seem to be there where it is in some of the other social media platforms. And, you know, that's sort of kind of interesting to me that there's a little bit of movement happening in the sort of social media, digital platform sort of space. Um, so, yeah, I think that we do have to be mindful of the fact that all, all of these channels, Pinterest included, um, may not be here forever and we have to be able to build our marketing ecosystems to survive without them. That is such great insight. I mean, just look at Facebook. Millennials have left Facebook in droves mm. since our parents have joined the platform. It is literally the uncoolest place on the internet. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, same deal with Instagram. You know, mm. now so many um, small brands have become so disheartened with the, the way that the platform has evolved and even Instagram has sort of fa- like shown favoritism towards young 25-year-old creators as opposed to, um, you know, us millennials slogging it out with our posts. Um, and absolutely Pinterest is by far my favourite social media platform and mm. I absolutely love that they are so values driven that you know political mm. ads and gambling ads are all banned on the platform yeah. and it is just such a nice place it's so nice i think it's really important to remember as a small business owner that all of the platforms are free and they act in their own best interests not ours and in their best interests is getting as much money as possible from advertising revenue from us all paying to advertise on the platforms. And that doesn't mean that I don't think we should advertise. Like we do digital advertising campaigns and it's a hugely important aspect of the marketing mix. But all of the things that Facebook and Instagram and any of the social media platforms do are designed to get people to spend more time there. So if they can get their audience to spend more time watching crap content on Reels or TikTok or whatever it is, they will prioritize that content in the algorithm because that means more people are spending more time on site and can see more ads, which gets them more money. So really remembering that and keeping that in mind when we're designing our marketing strategies that any of these platforms could change the algorithm at any time and they're always going to be prioritizing their own commercial success, not ours. Correct. And whether they are here forever or not, we are never going back to the good old days on those platforms where organic reach was a thing. And we are just never going to see those levels because those platforms are becoming increasingly saturated and Mm. um, they are, you know, becoming increasingly greedy. Um, And we're just seeing that it's, it's, so unfriendly to small businesses and when we're never it's it's never going to go backwards so it's only going to go in this direction so if you're finding it challenging now it's going to be even more challenging in a couple of years whereas I feel like there's a lot of people who are sort of holding out they're like oh Mm. no no it it will it will stabilize you know the kind of the wishful thinking or we'll find out we'll find our feet and 
that's not true. No, it's all accelerating more and more challenging, more competition. So 100%. That's where that whole multi-channel marketing mix is so important, isn't it? Correct. So that's a great place to sort of um, summarize our little chat today, Erin, which has been such a pleasure. So um, first thing, great content is going to perform anywhere. So don't just jump on the reels or the TikTok bandwagon because you see everybody else doing it. Really think about a multi-channel approach because we need to reach customers where they are. And um, social media is great for certain stages of the customer journey, but not all the stages of the customer journey. And so we need to focus on our owned channels and our earned channels so that we can reach customers where they are and just also not put all of our eggs into one basket. And we need to, um, you know, remember that social media marketing is just one channel. It is not a marketing strategy and that you need both strategy and tactics. Did you have any others to add there, Erin? I just think as well, like figure out where your audience is consuming content. And that might be like taking a moment to sit down and think about what their day looks like and all of the different media touch points that they engage with. And are they on Google? Are they on email? Are they listening to the radio? You know, Are they on social media? Are they picking up the newspaper? And really getting into that headspace of your ideal customer and you know, maybe it is the, the best place for you to invest the precious time that you have to create your marketing content. Maybe the best place is SEO. Maybe the best place is email marketing. Maybe it's a mix of email, social and search. Like it could be a different combination for everyone. As we said earlier, every strategy is unique. So just figuring out what that looks like for you and then like going all in on what matters for your brand is where the success is going to come from. Oh, I love that. Such a great way to finish us off. <laughs> well, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you, Erin. Um, can you let people know how they can get in touch with you? And I will put all of the links in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. And people can get in touch via youngfolks.com.au. See how I went website first mm-hmm. <laughs> or on social media with Young Folks Digital. Oh, amazing. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not press that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? You can also connect with me, Mia Fileman, on Instagram or LinkedIn. And feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.